What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. The whole crew is here, Rudo, AJ, Jesse, Megan, to come talk to you about some of the rising stars in the NHL. Now, I want to be clear here. We've talked about some of the guys that are already stars in the league. And I'm not talking about guys like Nathan McKinnon, even guys like Austin Matthews. Look, those guys are already stars. They've already made it. They've already won stuff. You mentioned Austin Matthews and Megan just left. She'd had enough. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) It's those players are already established. I I would even argue guys like Trevor Zegras already established as stars in the hockey league, but there are plenty of guys who are not quite to that level yet, but certainly we believe could get to that level. So those are the type of guys I want to focus in on today. Not the guys that it's like, Oh yeah, well he put up 70 points last year. Well, he's kind of already a star. Um, so at the very least he's established. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's not the average player that I guess not the average player I should say, but um, it, it, it's getting into guys you're expecting to have a significant jump in their game. They're going to improve this year. And obviously, we're predicting here, so no doubt we'll get some of these guys wrong. But I mean, it kind of depends on how it depends on how far out onto the branch we want to go, right? Yeah. I mean, that's once we get to our own selections, you know, we can all take as big or as small of risks as you want, I guess, when you're talking about your your rising stars so we'll get to that uh in a little bit did want to start out with colorado though because you know at the end of the day this is an avalanche podcast and 
there's certainly two names on this list for Colorado. I think depending on how you feel about it, you could probably put three. I don't, I don't think I would go any further than three unless like you're a really big believer in Lekkonen or something crazy to, to really take another big step. But uh, let's start with the most obvious one, in my opinion, in Bowen Byram. Um, I, I think this podcast has talked a lot about what we believe from Byram is possible, but I'm curious where you guys see his hard ceiling because on one hand, he's shown flashes of, of an incredible hockey player. And, and while I believe he can get there, there's going to be some limitations too. The biggest one being Kale McCarr is your number one PP guy, no matter what. So where can Byram really find success in this coming season? Well, for me, I mean, so to answer your first question of his hard ceiling, I, I honestly don't even know um, with Byram with, you know, where, where can he actually get to? I mean, for me, I, I think he's got the upside of being a, a true number one defenseman in the NHL. Um, like, I, I mean, so I, I don't know where his ceiling stops. Like I think he is in that realm where he's he's going to be a top top defenseman in the NHL, or he has the potential to get there. Um, and for me, man, look, I, I've heard a few people talk about the, um, you know, not having enough ice time, the power plays, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that stuff will work out. I think the Avs kind of started showing last year. Uh, especially on that second power play unit, they have interest in, in using more than one defenseman. Um, if, if Bowen Byram really is going to kind of ascend the way we think, I imagine he kind of starts taking Sam Gerrard's reps and then you just, you see where it goes from there. You know, there's been a lot of people, uh, I think this off season, uh, cause of some stuff, kind of random stuff that's been floated out there that think Byram, uh, needs to be the top power play guy. He has to be the guy. This is still a young kid trying to figure out who he is in the NHL. Uh, I think the next couple of years is they, I think having Makar there is kind of that buffer will, will, will do him good. You know, you're not asking him to go out and be the quarterback for this, you know, high end power play unit. You'll have some games where Makar, uh, you know, isn't available, doesn't have it, whatever. Um, I mean, I think if you're, if you're looking around the rest of the league, everyone's looking at the abs with, uh, Byram and McCarr as, as the future of that, that decor. And I think, uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the league who isn't uh, envious of that, that setup. And a lot of it's because of Byram and where he, what his potential is after what he sh uh, showed last year. I think the playoffs teased at what Byram was capable of offensively too. And he, it was just like a dam waiting to open for him. And mm -hmm. I would, insist that he's only made better on a team with Makar on it. And when I look at the opportunity that's available to him, that Taves and Makar pairing is one where I'd like to see that workload lightened just a little bit because those 27, 29 minute nights are actually quite a bit to put on that one pairing alone. That could be an opportunity for Byram to prove that that could be split um, whatever pairing he lands on a bit more evenly so that it's well distributed and give him an opportunity. It's hard to say, you know, he, there's so much he can do outside of special teams, too, that I think he could grow. And I, like I said, I think he's only made better with Makar on the ice. I agree. It's, I think one of the interesting conversations you're going to get into here 
is his utilization. It's very interesting, Rudo. Yeah, I agree. Super, super interesting. Uh, hey, you were going to say something. I guess, I guess, uh, whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> cool. My code just crashed. Great. Nice. Great news. Uh, anyway, uh, Bo and Byram's utilization is going to be extremely interesting this year. To Megan's point, we've seen over the last couple of years when the Avs really, really run Kale into the ground, he can struggle a little bit. And, and you know, struggling for Kale McCarr is, oh, he only had a one-point night. <laughs> but you, you've seen him gas out a little bit in the middle of seasons at times when they really, really try to run him hard. And, and I think Byram can definitely help lessen that load a little bit. But where I'm curious is what his special teams usage really is because yeah, there's, there's the PP two time. Sure. But I'm curious how much of a workload he gets on the penalty kill as well. Uh, I'm not going to discount the idea of putting him on the top power play unit. Uh, Colorado's forward depth took a hit uh, and JT Comfer, Ben Myers, these guys you really want giving, getting a lot of power play time. Uh, and I think that uh, with no Kadri, it's. I don't know. I, I don't think it would be an unrealistic situation to run two defenders on each power play unit, especially because that's where, look, that's where you have a unique strength to your team. 100%. You have four guys that can actually play on a power play, uh, and and do it well. Um, and. You know, I think uh, if you have a Landis Cog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Pyra, McCarr top unit, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good unit. You know, now uh, the way that they like to to run with Kale alone up top, and the way that they were really focusing on down low with two guys trying to be in front, you know, you could understand if they wanted to put a Nichushkin or a Lekin in there, but you could be, you could argue that uh, a second power play unit of Newhook and Nichushkin and Lekinen. Uh, with with the way that those guys kind of hunt down pucks and the way that they uh, and the way that Newhook can distribute and score, uh, I think uh, a Taves Taves and Gerard um, running that second unit. I mean, just it might just be, hey, they're they're leaning into where their the strength of their roster sits with the with those power play units. And great point. Uh, I think that that's where. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be surprised if they run out Lekin and Nichushkin on the top unit and there's no Byram there, but I also, I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that as the season goes on, we start to see, this is not the, this is not the group from last year. You don't have a 30 goal score and Nazem Kadri sitting right in front of the net like you did last year, you know, and we saw Alex Newhook scored a lot of goals last year on a power play on a second power play where, you know, that, that little, the cute little pat play to him in the middle of the ice, you know, from, from a Taves or, or from down low, one of the forwards down low produced a fair number of goals. So I think, I think you could be comfortable with that guy. Um, you no longer have a Burakovsky on your second unit. You don't have a cadre on the top unit. Like you're taking a hit there. And so where the real, where the real strength is going to lie is that you've got four defenders that can do this. 
And I think of the four, Taves is probably the weakest. Um, and so I would and keep even him on the him, second unit. That- Heavy shot from out high. Yeah, and I say weakest. And right, like right, right. 50 points last year, you know, <laughs> like um, Gerard. Uh, Gerard, obviously, I'm expecting a bounce back, a return to form from Gerard uh, to previous years. But I think that it's. I just think you know we're we're automatically kind of discounting Byram here, and I'm just gonna say like it would make it would make plenty of sense if eventually. I know that the the numbers on 2D power play units are a lot worse than four forward 1D power play units, but when those are the guys you've got, those are the guys you've got. So I I think that it, I think that would make a lot of sense. I do think that Byron finds his way onto the PK, but with Manson and Johnson, uh, as long as those guys are healthy and in the lineup. Manson Johnson and Taves are going to be your three PK guys that you're really going to lean on. And then after that, I think that you can start to talk about McCarr. You could start to talk about uh, Byram from there. And the fact that we're even having this conversation, like it just goes to show you between Taves, McCarr and Byram, you have you three guys that you could easily argue should be playing all situations for you. And on other teams probably would be. Um, and, and I'm like, we're talking about, oh, lessening the load here. Okay. You get Makar off the PK, not because he's not any good at it, but because you can, because you're good enough to have those minutes. Now you can survive those. You get Byram away from, (laughs) you get Byram away from, uh, away from the PK or is more of a depth PK guy. And Byram becomes the guy that you just feed even strength minutes to. He's the guy that you move around tons of even strength ice time for him well aj i think you make a great point about the power play because that's that's what everyone wants to go to when you talk about this oh well byron has to fall in behind the behind mccarvey that was one of the first things that i said when i was started talking but you make a really interesting point we saw a lot of different looks we saw jared bednar deploy a lot of different strategies across both power play units in terms of where personnel played you know, because you're my first kind of thought when you're talking about, well, can you play Byram with Makar up on that top unit? And my first kind of thought is, well, he's a lefty. If you put him on that half wall, that's where uh, Miko usually plays. And I don't know if you want to take a shooter like that off of his strong wall. But then the more you kind of start thinking about it, they did a lot, especially when they were dealing with injuries, uh, of, you know, kind of rotating McKinnon off of that wall into the middle of the ice to try to use that, you know, that bumper one-timer. Him and McCarr would, would uh, you know, rotate a lot. McCarr would play off of that strong side wall where McKinnon usually does. I actually, I, I really like your idea there of, of maybe adding Byram to that because it just gives you a little bit more flexibility. You can have guys sliding in and out off the wall into the middle. Um, and, and, and again, it's, you make a great point that, you know, we talk about four forwards on a power play. Like it's just a kind of a given fact that really for all intents and purposes, didn't start all that long ago. Rolling four forwards and one defenseman on the power play that, that wasn't super, super widely used again, relatively until not all that long ago. So if you've got the personnel where you feel you can do it, you feel it gives you some flexibility um, you know, you, you've got more shooters from the outside uh, that you feel kind of make you a bit of a threat. I don't think there is any issue with that. And again, to your point, 
they kind of proved that proof of concept last year at that second power play unit where there were times where maybe we didn't love the way it looked, but that unit produced Gerard and Taves. Like they, they produced points. Uh, like you said, new hook, put some points up and, and while maybe at times, again, we didn't like the way that it was being deployed. They found a way to be effective. If you can take that and dial it up with maybe a little bit more talent, no disrespect to <laughs> a lot of very good players on that second power play unit, but you dial that up with, with a Byram, with a Makar, um, and then obviously like the, the three-headed monster, you just give yourself – this defense continues, continues to give you flexible looks, um, and, and, and I think Bowen Byram is going to be a big, big part of that. I, I really like that point, AJ. So uh, when I think about Byram on the power play, I kind of think back to that Columbus game. Um, he, you know, the Avs obviously ended up losing those games to Columbus, but he single-handedly like got them back into the game. And and where it would work for me is it frees up Makar even more because Byram is the guy that you leave up high and he's a shooting threat. He has a big enough shot, a big enough one-timer to actually be a threat from back there. Not that Kale McCarr isn't dangerous from back there, but he's a lot more successful when he's walking in, when he's working down deeper into the zone. And giving a genuine threat from up high, which I don't think the Avs really have. You guys mentioned Taves is probably the closest to that. But even him, it's not all that dangerous. The the annexation play worked about three times and then everyone in the league figured it out. And that was kind of the end of that. Um, that's where I think Byron can be most successful. For the look, ads. look, man, Puerto Rico can only be annexed so many times. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I do like kale dude. Kale is so weird. Cause he, I agree with what you're saying. Like he's such a weird threat from out high. Like, He's one of the only guys I've seen that like doesn't have to have like the big booming shot yeah. from out high. He gets it, and and no, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just it's, he's just so funny. No, how he's different, but he's remains a threat. It's, it's you're crazy. right, but it gives the Avs a different look. The the For kale sure. play yeah. and and well, the loves yeah. that play where he skates out high and throws that <laughs> wrister through a million bodies that somehow finds his way through sometimes. <laughs> but a Byram back there keeps teams more honest cuz that guy's like, yeah, I'm just going to rip this thing. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was saying he dude, he has that and it's something McKinnon has it. Obviously, a guy like Ovechkin, it's something that you can't teach even like the best pure shooters. Like Byram's one of those guys I can guarantee he has never had a coach tell him, ah, oh, you need to start shooting more. <laughs> like he he's someone that he, he'll get the puck. He'll put it on net. He'll put it on that heavy, uh, hard, you know, from, from anywhere. And, and so, no, I, I agree with you. He's, uh, he's different. Kale, you know, Kale will be shifty. He works his way down in the zone. He looks for distributed, uh, you know, distributing options, which is part of what makes Kale McCarr so great. But, yeah, Byron will just get that thing like, cool, I'll hammer this. Oh, it's coming back to me? I'll do it again. I'll hammer it again. That's what Ryan Graves thought. <sighs> Let's not talk about that. Would have been, been fine if he didn't miss the second one. <laughs> I even remember that happening in slow motion. Like, oh, wow, he lucked out there. He got it right back. Oh, he did it again. Look at that. Going the other way. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've seen some chat talking a little bit about uh, Byram and the goal scoring, but uh, I know it was juniors, but keep in mind, the guy was almost a 30 goal scorer as a defenseman in the dub. Um, 
he should have had like four goals in the postseason. Junior, uh, dude, that's a couple. A couple of them in the final. Like he was, he was really, really dynamic offensively uh, throughout the postseason, and that's the hardest time for a young player to show out. And he got better as the playoffs went on. He got better. It was... And to be honest with you, was one of their very best players in the Stanley Cup final against Tampa. It, it felt a little bit like. You remember that couple year stretch for McKinnon where he hadn't broken out yet? And you'd go back and watch games and you'd be like, wow. So the goal we made all of his best saves against that guy. <laughs> okay. The 48 point year, honestly, was the one that stood out to me because he was the only guy that felt dynamic at all. And like everybody else, like you go and you look, and Landis Cog had like 30 points that year. And you're like, what in the hell? And McKinnon just like rolled along at like fifty something, uh, and you're just like that guy. That guy was just due. Yeah, he was just due to AJ, make that happen. You and I, after that forty-eight point season, we were doing a mercifully, we were doing like a season-ending show. Like season was done, and I just remember you and I, like right before the season started, both of us just because everyone had become so numb uh you know by the end of that season by you know just brutal loss after brutal loss everything was going wrong whatever whatever you and i stepped back and looked at it, we were like nathan mckinnon didn't have a bad year like his season was fine you know things didn't go in yet miko scored 20 goals like his like for his career mckinnon's season was Pretty normal. Pretty on par, yeah. Yeah. And uh I, I just remember you and I both like really kind of sitting there like, huh, there was blood coming out of my eyes for the last six weeks. So I couldn't really focus on this, but it wasn't bad. And yeah, yeah just that that was a season where I really kind of realized like maybe this kid's you know, maybe maybe he still has room to go. Maybe he isn't a fifty point guy. The Evs really played decent hockey that year. It's just that they spotted every team two goals in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, like we do kind of forget uh, they played the majority of the year with Calvin Pickard and Jeremy Smith as their goalies. Um, Like their defense was bad, but they were also obscenely unlucky that year in a lot of ways. So plenty of bad, plenty of bad. Like Rene Bork was on their second line. Plenty of bad was happening. Um, But yeah. Also an unlucky team, but anyway, I mean, it uh, takes this, a little bit of both to get the forty-eight. <laughs> with this, with the, with the, it takes a lot of bit of both. <laughs> uh, with uh, with Byram, though, I think I think we really are looking at a guy that, uh, for me, is getting underrated around the league. Uh, yeah, everybody's falling all over themselves. To talk about Mo Sider and you know uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power together in in Buffalo, and oh, you know who's who's the next big guy, right? Like, uh, and, and I think Byram, just because of the infrastructure that he's in. And when you're an AV now, you, your, your success gets discounted. gets discounted because, wow, well, the Avs are just a powerhouse. And it's like, never occur to you that maybe they're part of the reason that they're a powerhouse is because guys like this are very, <laughs> very good. Like the, the Bowen Byram could be third or fourth on the team in ice time this year. And it's no indictment of his play whatsoever. Right. So, Megan, 
realistic expectations for Byram this year. And I'm, I'm sending this to you in a world where we're just going to go ahead and assume health, because obviously that's a huge question mark for Byram still. Um, Like from a production standpoint? Yeah. Let me see how we finished. Do you know off the top of your head how we finished last year? This is like 17 points in 33 games in the regular season, I believe. I thought it was 17 and 30. It might, it might be a few less and then I think he had. I think he was 9 and 20 in the postseason, but... Man, it had to be. Yeah, he was so half point green. That's not too bad. I could see him uh, zeroing in on a point per game, though. Um, especially if he does get looks, even on just PP2. If I'd love to see him get some looks on PP1. But if he gets some looks on PP, the power play at all, um, I could see him being closer to a point per game. He was already sitting around half a point per game. I'm I'm going to put him, um, my, my hope for him, uh, 10 goals, 50 points. That's my benchmark. If he hits that, things have gone well. If it gets better than that, the Avs are probably winning another cup. <laughs> you just don't not when you've got elite defense like that. Like it's just too hard. The fourth forward. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like like Devon Taves gets Norris votes and might lose his job this year. <laughs> like not even like I it's not even I'm not even kidding. Like Devon Taves is, is now one of the darling, like, oh, my God, this guy's so good. And, like, his job is under assault. <laughs> it's it's actively under under threat just because Bowen Byram can be that good. Like, yeah. Bowen Byram outplayed Devon Taves by a pretty wide margin in the in the Stanley Cup final. And Devon Taves was pretty good in that series. <laughs> so, I, I just, there isn't, you know, I know we're talking, we're going to get into a lot more. We're going to talk new hook and stuff, but, like, with Byram, we're talking about the Avs have a they have a potential superstar caliber of breakout here, not just like wow that guy's really good. Like this this guy, by the end of this year, certainly by the end of two years from now, will be a top ten, maybe top five defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. Okay. Um, on that note, we are sponsored by Breckenridge Brewery. They got the Hoot Nanny coming in just about a month now, uh, October eighth and 9th down at their Littleton location. Highly recommend you go check this place out. They have super awesome events there all the time, and they're having a big one on the 8th and 9th of October for their 32nd birthday. They have all of their amazing beers, of course, but they have a bunch of other awesome stuff going on, including multiple bands. They have the Spin Doctors. They have a bunch of local bands coming out, too, if you're into the local scene. It's a great place to just go out and hang and have a beer and, and catch a show. So highly recommend you can go over to breckbrew.com for more information and get tickets today to the Hoot Nanny. You got to check it out. It's uh, it's just a super dope place. Highly recommend. And, you know, when you go and uh, drink way too much at the Hoot Nanny, make sure you have your athletic greens. Good to go the following morning to, to pick yourself back up and, and be a healthy, smart, intelligent person. Uh, Athletic Greens has 75 different vitamins and minerals in it. It's got a bunch of probiotics, antigens, and all sorts of other good stuff that goes into your body. It's just one scoop into a cup of water every morning, and it becomes an easy part of your routine. It helps with your immune system. It helps with pre-workout. It just helps wake you up. It's super awesome all the way around, super healthy for you. So take control of your health today. Be sure to jump over to athleticgreens.com slash DNVR to get yours today. When you order, you get a one-year supply of vitamin D on top just because. So 
Do it today. Athleticgreens.com slash DNVR. Get your order in. And uh, yeah, be a healthy person. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Be a healthy person. Yeah, don't be unhealthy. All right. Being unhealthy is bad. You don't become a rising star if you're unhealthy. All right. That is true. Uh, AJ kind of alluded to it. The other player on the abs that's certainly worth talking about here is Alex Newhook. Now, this is certainly an interesting conversation. We've had a lot of talks about how the abs are going to utilize Newhook, how much opportunity he's going to have to move up. And as of right now, the abs have still not brought in a 2C for the organization. Now, I know expectations are Miko's probably going to play that position to start the year. But if Newhook plays well, there is certainly opportunity for him to move up. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about it on our show last week, the end of last week, that for in my opinion, that's what I think the the the, the plan is. If I had to put money on it, um, it'd be that the abs are going to use some combination of Miko, Comfer, uh, you know, Landeskog, whatever, to try to help ramp Newhook up. I, I just... Like I said at the end of last week, I just can't imagine that you, you use a first-round pick to bring this kid in, someone who you know his timeline is going to be matching up when you're with when you were likely losing Kadri. Um, I, I'd like to think that their plan is to get him in at two C, and and until they show um, otherwise, if that's not the plan. That's that's what I'm going to assume they're they're doing is is trying to give as much buffer help ramp him up, ramp up the responsibility um, so that at, at bare minimum heading into next season, you either know, hey, we have a 2C here in Alex Newhook, uh, or we don't and we do need to find uh, you know another solution. He just doesn't have it. But I, I think Newhook showed plenty last year to, uh, in my opinion, believe that it's a step he can take throughout the over the course of this season. 33 points in 71 games for just official numbers from last regular season. Uh, realistically, for him to secure the 2C job this season, what are you looking at? 45, 50 points more? I'd say in the 50s. Okay. You'd like to see him hit 50 for me. Okay. I remember at the beginning of last season, you asked me if uh, Newhook was a 30-goal scorer. And I, without hesitating, said yes. <laughs> and I definitely, you know, I look back on that. That was so ambitious. I'm not sure where I was coming from with that. But I also look at how it's just necessary for Newhook at this point. I don't know if he becomes a 30-goal scorer next season. But we will repeat the same results of last season if he doesn't receive a higher position and role on the team. And so it's so important for his growth to have some sort of added role. I don't know if 2C is the solution. I think when we have this conversation, we're talking about a couple of possible options that are probably going to be alternated between before a solution that is more permanent comes to fruition. Because I don't even think anyone's talking about Miko at 2C as a permanent solution for this season either. Um, but I'd like to see Newhook really get that chance um, because there's definitely more in him. And this is really the next step to see if that's real or not. It was an interesting year for Newhook in the sense that you did see those flashes in, in the NHL, at the NHL level, in a number of games, right? You saw the goal he had against Ottawa. You, you see the high level 
high flying plays come out of him at times, but the consistency certainly wasn't there. He didn't really get the opportunity to show it in the playoffs the way someone like Byram did. Is there reason to be concerned about his opportunity? Um, and, and I know we've talked about this before, but how long is the leash with new hook? I guess I'll put it that way. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I've always kind of seen stuff like this differently than, than a, a couple of you guys to, to me, like the only reason people were talking about putting new hook in that two C position is because he plays center. Like there was nothing that he was doing in my opinion. That was like, you have to give this guy the look. And for me, that's what I'm looking for out of new hook. Not, are the abs going to give him the opportunity, but is he going to go out there with whatever opportunity he he's given and, and Excel, you know, we, we talk about that all the time when you're talking about players from going from one league to another, uh, you know, going from junior to, to professional AHL to NHL coming over from Europe. Are you dominating in the situation that you're in? And that's just what I want to see new hook do. If he comes out and they're starting him on that third line, can he be the driving force on that third line? Does his game take any steps forward? Can he force their hand into saying, we have to play this kid at 2C? I think there were times last year where he did that. And, and I think if he's showing that, I'm not concerned at all. I think they're going to give him every opportunity because I do believe that that is part of their long-term plan. Uh, he's got to go out and and show my game is taking steps. And... I think he will. Uh, I think he's got the skill set to do it. Um, and I think going through the run that he just went through as a rookie, that's only that's only good for you. He now understands what you have to do at the highest, highest, highest level to get there. Um, I, I, I think he'll get there, but I think I think he's going to earn every last bit of it. I don't think this coaching staff is going to hand anything out. You guys know who's the most common line, line mates last year? Uh, I'm assuming it was the two third line guys. Yeah. Any guesses? L O C and let's got be comfort and yeah, I'll say knack. Did it happen enough? It was comfort, Nicholas Abe, Kubel, Logan O'Connor, and then Andre Burakovsky. Damn, so we nailed that. With yeah. Nico literally Sturm, got them all. <laughs> Nico Sturm, Tyson Jost, and Nazem Kadri. After that, you want to know who he? You want to know who he? Who he succeeded with the most? Val and Lecky. By far, the most was Burakovsky and Kadri. Well, imagine okay. that he was <laughs> under he was under fifty percent in all the big numbers with all those other guys, and then he was way over fifty percent with all the big guns on the team. Now, obviously, the little more limited usage with some of those guys. So, we're talking about some small sample size alerts. But what I'm saying is, is there was already proof in the pudding last year that put the guy with a little bit of talent. If Berkey hadn't gotten hurt in the Stanley Cup final, we would have really gotten a true a true preview of it. I mean, they got 45 seconds together and scored a goal, <laughs> and they scored a goal, man. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, so I, for me, I, I just think that it's, I, I I think that it's pretty obvious that this is where this is headed, that this is New Hook. Um, 
that's where that's going to be his job. I think it's going to be his job coming into training camp. The more that I've thought about it, the more that I just think that it makes the most sense because you know what JT Confer looks like there. You know what Miko Rantanen looks like there. You you know what those things look like. Training camp, preseason, early season, all of that is when Jared Bednar likes to experiment the most. You know, if it's not New Hook, maybe it's Ben Myers, but I think it's going to be New Hook. Like I think I think New Hook's going to get that job from day one, and then I think they're going to give him a little bit of leash with it, and I think he's going to do just fine. Uh, we've we've always been big believers in the Alex Newhook experience, and I, I just think that he's he's got the kind of dynamic game, especially if they break up that three-headed monster. They go Landis Gog, McKinnon, Nachushkin, Lekkinen, Newhook, and Rantanen. I think yeah. that's your best balance to your top six. Love you that. put everybody in a position to succeed. You put all the skill sets that make sense together together. Uh, and, and I just think that that's, that's the smartest way to, to do it. And Jared Bender is a pretty smart coach. So I don't think yeah. he's listening to the, I don't think he's going to listen to this episode and be like, AJ's got a good point. <laughs> I think he's probably already got this one locked in. Well, then I like, I like that too, putting a guy like Ranton in with him because it's like, Hey, we don't need you to go there, go out there and be the guy. That guy will score the goals. Like, you know, and, and obviously you assume that with new hook skill set, it, it comes anyways, but like, you know, Hey, we need you to be a second year, second line center and drive the bus for that line. Like you can kind of put that responsibility in bits. So, and then that top line that you listed was so good in the playoffs. Dude, in the Stanley cup final, <sighs> actually like, broken. they're going up against Kucherov and Stamkos. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I have a prediction that the leash may appear deceptively short at first. And I think it's just to elicit the best performance out of Newhook, just looking at him being sent to the AHL for 10 games at the start of last season. You know, you just, you knew in your gut that this wasn't an AHL player for last season, that he was going to be back up with the Avs. There was some learning that needed to happen, messaging that's being sent. And I could see that happening to prime him for something like a 2C position where it seems like maybe, I don't want to say reprimanded, but maybe he is given what appears to be a short leash, but it is because the long-term vision for him is actually giving him that opportunity. Yeah. That was such a weird start to his year last year, too. Even in the rookie strange. tournament, he's scoring all of their goals, all of their points. Like, he's doing everything, right? And he still just looked so, like, lethargic. Like, mm-hmm. it just looked... Lethargic just, is the perfect word. It was so odd. And then his preseason, there was no jump. There was no flash. None of that. And then he goes down to the Eagles immediately rips things apart and he's down there for what like 10 games he's a point per game guy like it's no problem for him and he well, comes back and never looks back and you're like okay great and, and that makes sense Go ahead, bednar, sorry sorry bednar bednar talked a lot about megan i think you were there for one of these in particular talked a lot about not only how new hook came back but how he handled that initial uh demotion if you want to call it that to the ahl that just from top to bottom uh the nhl coaches the ahl coaches you know management all saw it that he he took it with a smile said i'm gonna go down there and and work on the things i gotta work on and get better and like you said whoever just said it he came back up never looked back it was never really in question um and and that right there just that little like saga should give you the hope if you were on the fence 
about the fact that this kid can turn into a, a, a legitimate, you know, NHL pick your adjective there, you know, star player, uh, whatever. Um, he, he seems like he's got the mental side of that, that he doesn't, you know, take his ball and go home. He, he takes, he takes the criticism, he takes the coaching and, and he makes the adjustments he needs to make. Um, and that's where I think, yeah, you should feel optimistic that this kid may look in a little over his head at the beginning, depending on how hard that responsibility hits. But, um, he's shown in the past, he, he's got the makings to, to battle through it and, and actually succeed on the other side. I think it's worth noting that this is a button that Jared Bednar and the Avalanche have been willing to push for multiple guys over the years. You've seen it with Burakovsky where they demote him. You saw it all the time with Nikita Zadorov where they're willing to scratch the guy to send a message, to get that little bit more out of those players. And it's worked for them pretty consistently. Yeah, you're right. Like they've gotten more out of players and, and you know, every player is different, right? It's going to vary to player to player, what motivates them and what works. But it's not like Alex Newhook is this unique case when it comes right. to these things. It's, it's something that the ads have established that they know works with some guys. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my curiosity is what happens when they don't have the demotion to the AHL to push anymore. He's established. He's a, you know, he's a regular in your lineup. You're no longer being like, okay, like, you know, we'll just send him to the Eagles is like this thing that can happen. I mean, you remember the 56 game season, you guys remember how bad GT Comfort was that year? Mm-hmm. You remember he was like on their fourth line, like barely on their fourth line on their fourth line only because Matt Calvert just couldn't stay healthy. Like, yeah, it was they did not have an answer for him that entire season. And like, look, these well, things happen in Seattle. <laughs> these things happen sometimes where these guys just have bad years. They just don't quite wake up. They just don't ever get out of this year-long funk. Things just don't go their way. It snowballs on them and it becomes kind of a lost year in their career. But I'm curious how Newhook handles and how the team handles situations where he does go through hey he's gonna he's gonna have a prolonged slump he's gonna struggle he's gonna go through the 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 lulls you know he's gonna go through the ebbs it's not all life is not all flow so it it i'm curious to see that maturation process and because demoting him last year just put him back into that situation and you know you the the, as the the postseason went on and that's obviously a unique case and We've talked. He was kind of out of gas at the end of the year. You could really mm-hmm. see it. it. He looked like he'd hit that rookie the ball. Usual ball stuff. Like, yeah. like lots of lots of factors could have contributed to it. But every year that goes by, he loses that. He loses an excuse, right? And yeah. it becomes okay. You've got to produce. You've got to handle these situations. You know, I'm saying I don't know that he's going to be much of an indiv- in an individual play driver. I think he's going to be a guy who has to have teammates kind of well, do that's some why of you that. have a Miko on his line it well and then you yeah you you have him as a guy that just kind of elevates those dudes but i don't know that he's going to be much of a play driver himself well he just can't be like a black hole you know right, right. i one comparison i want to make if we're talking about the 2c position alex newhook shot 11.5 percent last year nazim kadri shot 11.3 percent Newhook had 113 shots, 
Kadri had 247. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Kadri, an extremely high-volume shooter, had a lot of opportunity to shoot, but putting Newhook into that opportunity should give him a statistically very significant amount more opportunity to shoot pucks, produce, and just generally help the team more offensively. His goal should be to double that number this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's shooting least, percentage? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, he can, if he can double shots on goal and shooting percentage, he's going to have a year. He's scoring yeah. 50, baby. <laughs> That's not awesome, Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. No, Rudo, I just wanted to piggyback real quick, and it, it doesn't push the conversation, I guess, a ton forward, but I just thought you made an interesting point about this coaching staff having – uh, seeming to have a good pulse on this team and, and when you need to give a guy an extra kind of shot in the arm, whether it be through a scratch or demotion uh, th- through their ice time or, you know, line uh, or in the case of what we were talking about last year with Alex Newhook, an actual demotion to the AHL. I just go back. We, we were laughing, you know, um, on the road a couple of times up in the press box with players that, that had gotten scratch and they put him into the lineup and, and we were laughing. because it was just kind of becoming this trend where, the player coming out of the press box would have a big impact on, on the game. Abe Kubel didn't end up with any points uh, in, in the postseason, but there was one game in particular where, oh, man, where St. Louis maybe? Uh, I think where Abe Kubel came back into the lineup, and again, like he he made a big play that set up a goal. You know, 30, 40 seconds later. Burakovsky comes back from the scratch, scores the overtime winner. Alex Newhook seemed like he was picking up points every time he came back into the lineup. This coaching staff seems like they have a decent enough pulse on this roster uh, or on their players that they know when to push the right buttons. Seemed like it worked last year with Newhook. And this just goes back to that point of you like that he's a guy who seems to be resilient. And when you push his buttons like that, doesn't respond by shutting down, but by res- but instead responds by saying, well, then I'm just going to show you why, you know, why you're wrong, why putting me in is the right, you know, not sitting me in the press box is the right move, whatever. And and that that's just another thing that gives you some hope that as a young kid who will be able to battle through, like AJ said, it's it's not all it's not all ups. You're going to get some downs there. So um, having having the mental toughness to be able to do that is, I mean, that's half of it in this league. Okay. So, do y'all like free sports? I love free sports. It's, it's the best. You can go watch free sports right now at Infinity Park in Glendale with the American Ra- Raptors. It's Rugby Town USA, by the way, if you didn't know. Men's and women's 15 teams practice here in Colorado. It's the best rugby in the country. Uh, the Raptors are an awesome team that has brought together players from other sports to see if they can transition to rugby. Last year, they went 5-5. Five and five. This year, they're they're looking for uh, better than that. We'll put it that way. So you can check them out right now. Again, totally free. If you go to AmericanRaptors.com, you can get tickets for free. Infinity Park is awesome. You can go for a night out on the town and just have a great time. It's a super awesome. They have an arcade down there. They have all sorts of other awesome stuff, too. So it's, it's just a great night to go out there to Infinity Park. Highly recommend you check it out if you haven't. If you're a big rugby fan, you can catch all of their games on AmericanRaptors.com too, streaming. So even if you can't make it to the park, you can still watch your team. Of course, go follow the DNVR rugby account as well. Our guy Colton Strickler covering the ridiculous amount of rugby at this point. I don't, he seriously covers like seven different rugby leagues. I don't know how he does it. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so he's got all the rugby content you could ever want. And even if you're new to the sport, he has 101 pods that teach you the game and everything that's going on out there. So be sure to go 
follow him and the DNVR Rugby account over on Twitter. Uh, we're also brought to you by Avaca TV. You can go to avaca.tv slash Colorado 10 today to get $10 off for the first three months. So that's TV for just the first 15 bucks. Um, for the first three months for just 15 bucks. Uh, if you go there, you get altitude, of course. So you get your abs and nuggets. That includes Rapids, Mammoth, all the good stuff there. They've got AT&T Sportsnet for the Rockies. they got the national channels for the Broncos. They also have NFL Network if you want to really get in as football season is starting to get rolling here. They also have a bunch of movie channels and television channels, 60 channels in total, including the DNVR channel which will exclusively have the uh, DNVR Nuggets documentary of their trip to Serbia. So you're going to want to be sure to get Avaka to check that thing out. Uh, the, the Nuggets guys will not stop talking about that trip, by the way. <laughs> it's the only thing they ever talk about when we have meetings. So Did you guys know they went to Serbia? Yep. <laughs> no, I didn't. So I imagine the documentary is going to be pretty cool. So go check that thing out. Again, avaca.tv slash D or slash Colorado 10, excuse me. Uh, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Those are the two big ones for Colorado. Uh, I know, I think all of you have at least one or two other guys around the league that you wanted to get into. So whoever wants to start us off with a name, I'm, I'm curious what you guys have to say. Well, have we talked to Georgiev yet? We, we can, a, if you want to. I, I just I just wanted to throw that one in there because he is he's obviously a I mean he's a huge piece of this. We're talking about you know um, Newhook and Byram. What are their opportunities going to be? Where are they going to settle in the in the lineup? Well, this is a guy that we know coming out of camp uh, or going into camp uh, is getting the crack at the number one position. Uh, the Avs have made that clear. Pavel Francouz is the backup. Uh, Alexander Georgiev is the number one, at least again, to start Um, ton of promise early on Uh, his career really hasn't gone in an ultra positive way uh, since stuck behind Henrik Lundqvist, then stuck behind Igor Shesterkin. Uh, He's got the tools there. And I mean, look, you're, you're going to a, as defensively solid of a team as, as you can go to Um, he is set up better maybe than any other goalie to to have a step forward uh he's just got to actually do it but that's i just want to make sure we don't gloss over that too much because he's he's a player that uh the abs really are are banking on him taking the next step uh and becoming a a number one goaltender and that's uh again there's there's not as much speculation there we know where he's going to slot and it's really just can he live up to that Lord, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a big question. It's it's a it's the greatest gamble of the offseason. And I think we've talked about it in terms of other teams and how teams have done things for savings. And it matters what they do with the savings. And we thought maybe this is where the abs go out and look for a 2C because they've gone for this affordable option with the goalie tandem and not seeing them do it. It's very curious that there's just a lot of faith behind this tandem and Georgiev specifically because he is presumed to be the starter. Um, I really hope it pans out. I trust the front office with other decisions they've made, but this is maybe one of the biggest gambles on goaltending I've seen yet. Yeah. It's... (laughs) Over the years, we've always called the abs like an experiment or the great experiment at times 
to see at the time we were talking about a team who like, what if you just only played possession skate fast hockey? And it feels to me like the great experiment this year is maybe just anyone can play goalie for the Colorado avalanche. <laughs> they're, <laughs> maybe they're just so solid possession and defense wise that it doesn't really matter who you throw back there. And I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Georgiev. He could absolutely play excellent behind this team. I don't know. We'll see. But I do think the Evs have a lot of confidence in the team they have built in front of that net, no matter who's in it. Yeah. So, yeah, he he's my one, though, that, like I said, there's there's fewer question marks as far as where he slots in. Really, the big the big question mark is uh, can, can he do the job? We know that they're giving him. Yeah. And I I'm certainly not ready to answer that question yet. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got a buck to trend. Uh, he's been in the NHL for four years, and he's gotten worse at each one. So now he's the starting goaltender on the defending Stanley Cup champs. So uh, all eyes are on you, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're not hiding behind one of the greatest goalies of all time or or one of the next great goalies. Uh, you're it. You're going head-to-head with those types of guys every night now. So Yeah, that's true. So I don't know if that one's – marking it down hard on my board as a rising star, but it's one that you hope trends in that direction. <laughs> Needs to be for the Avs. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to move away from the Avs? Yes, Is there any, any burning players you guys want to talk about? I mean, I think Ben Myers is going to surprise, but I think that's fine. I don't think he's a rising star. Yeah, but I think, I think Ben Myers is going to be a lot better than people are expecting. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I really want to see that. The glimpse we got of him was really promising. And I, I think that's exciting to keep an eye on. He just seems to do, he does things well that the things he does well translate really well. Um, and, and so, yeah, you just, you hope that he can jump in and, and to Megan's point, like you saw a nice, uh, um, Nice, nice little flash from him there at the end of the year. Got a goal, got on the score sheet. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for him for sure. Okay, since none of you will say a name that isn't an Av, I will. Uh, I think this is the year of Spencer Knight. Hmm. Interesting. I think you're really going to see him compete with Bobrovsky for the starting role, not just the backup role, and. You know, Paul on, on a person, head coach. Hmm? You think Paul Maurice as head coach is going to give it to the kid? I don't. Paul think Maurice. Paul Maurice is going to help Florida, but I think Spencer Knight is just going to be very, very good, and Bob will continue to be good, but not great. It's just the reality of Spencer Knight being that good. It's not <laughs> a, it, it, look, he played thirty-two games for him last year. I get it. Paul Maurice is the world's most boring hockey coach in the world. But if Spencer Knight's throwing up nine twenties, it's going to be hard to keep him out. It kind of forces his hand a bit. You think? Yeah. That dude, that dude could cure cancer and not take the, the starting job from <laughs> under Paul Maurice. No way. No way. I don't, I, I'm not saying he'll take the starting job necessarily. I think it would move more towards a tandem role more than anything, but I, I really do think this is the start of Spencer Knight's ascent to being 
a dope goalie in the NHL. I mean, it kind of has to be right. Like, I just don't know. Can he, can he, can his development take another year of like riding shotgun? You know what I mean? What what do you mean? Can he take another year of it? I mean, like if he's really going to ascend to be like one of the great goalies in the NHL, can you have another year where you play 20, 25, 30 games? How many, how many years was UC Soros the backup behind Rene? I don't know. Like a bunch. Okay. He had a good year. I think he could take another backup year, but I also think if you move past Bobrovsky's contract and he puts up another nine twelve, is that dude really getting you over the hump? No, no, what no, I'm 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 agreeing. Like I, I think if you're Spencer Knight and you're the Florida Panthers, if you're actually saying, Okay, cool, we think this kid can become one of the great goaltenders in the NHL, then I'm with you. Like if his play warrants it, you almost have to start moving towards that that tandem, getting him in more games. Uh, you know, just you want to start giving that workload. Or I mean, they sent him down to the AHL last year so he could play, kind of thing. Like he's got to be playing. Agreed. He should be certainly a, a full time NHLer at minimum. Right. I love that this started with a goalie take from Rudo. <laughs> Thought that was really nice, but I, I do think the idea of a tandem is realistic, and maybe with an aging Bobrovsky, there is it's feasible to see Spencer Knight getting a little bit more opportunity from what he did last season. And for such a young goaltender, it would be such a testament to his talents as a goaltender if he was able to play a little bit more. Um, and I think it's possible. I don't know about like fully resuming the position of starter, but I, I think it's possible. All I'm saying is he he had no problem throwing Hellebuck to the Wolves in in Winnipeg. So yeah, when he had no other options. Yeah, well, when Bob is throwing up nine hundreds, he'll have no other options. <laughs> we'll have a ten million dollar veteran option. Who's the bad. exact thing that Who's a veteran bad? head coach like strokes it out to when he goes to bed at night. Until he sucks. Just All right, fine then. Who do you have? Who's your Who's your rising star? Uh, I've got Seth Jarvis in Carolina. I thought that his the way that he fit in with their top six as a kid who maybe wasn't even fully ready for it. The guy just kept finding ways to make plays and be an impact player for them. And I almost feel hypocritical for picking a Carolina player because every year I'm like. That's the organization everybody buys into and nothing ever changes. But I do think there was a lot of room for Seth Jarvis to take a step forward. And he had 40 points last year. So it's not like it's not like I'm projecting an astronomical leap here. But Jason Robertson is the exact kind of guy we said was not going to be included on this list. He got heart votes last year. <laughs> But with Jarvis, I just think that that's a guy that, you know, between Ajo, Svechnikov, the great defense, um, that's a guy that kind of got lost in their shuffle a little bit. And I think as he as he matures and uh, gets a little bit better, that's that's he's one of the guys that I really, really like. And uh, the other the other one that will be of no surprise to certainly Ruto, but. Maddie Benier's time is here in Seattle. Uh, I'm. It, it almost felt I'm like cheating thrilled. to say him to me. Like, <laughs> like I'm. I'm thrilled 
uh, to watch Seattle this year because, look, Yanni Gord was an excellent 3C in Tampa Bay. It turns out he's not much of a 1C. And I don't know if he's still he's still going to be there uh, at 1C, but uh, Matty Beniers with, with Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky flanking him could just – he doesn't need to score. He could finish the year with zero goals and 80 assists <laughs> because he's going to have two absolute snipers there. Assuming that Schwartz and Eberle go with Gord on their top line again. And their second line just adds that much more punch. So uh, I am, I'm, I'm really excited. Like I think the Kraken are actually going to be watchable this year. And mm-hmm. I think Matty Beniers, the energy that he brought to the team at the end of last season, uh, the caliber of, pro- of prospect that he is, the fact that I've been touting him as one of my favorite guys to watch in the hockey world since he was 15 it's time <laughs> like it's it this is this is the the maddie veneers takeover uh is now i'm i'm very excited for it because he is he is everything that is fun to watch about hockey he's high energy lots of exuberance lots of joy is derived from him playing the game uh and i really like like it's it was it was amazing watching austin matthews have the debut game that he did, but he didn't look like he was having any fun. And that's a guy, that's a guy who looks like he's too cool to have fun. And I just don't understand when you're a professional athlete, how you could be too cool to have fun. Uh, It's not, it's just not a cool thing. Uh, I know that I'm not the, you know, the most excitable human being on the planet myself, but I still get excited about stuff. I still, I still celebrate when fun things happen. And Matty Beniers is just, he's just a joy incarnate as a hockey player. And I love, I love watching him play. I think with the guys around him, the the Kraken are going to be a, a team that I put on regularly. They, Side they note, look like a fun team. Do you guys think Grubauer bounces back this year? Yeah, I, to I, some extent, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it can't get worse. It's impossible. <laughs> I, I, if it if it ends up like nine ten, I don't. I won't be surprised. I if it's if he goes back to like nine twenty, I'll be pretty surprised. Yeah, but I would be shocked if he hangs out in the eight eighty range all year again. Yeah, at least get back shocked, near average. Dude. Like, yeah. I just I don't know. I I, I think the Kraken are going to be. I think they're fun. All right. Megan and Jesse. Megan, go ahead. I had another Umich kid like AJ, but it's Owen Power, which probably isn't that surprising to anybody. But, um, you know, he's had a glimpse at the NHL level and he did big things with Michigan. And I think that a lot of the concern with the transition and adjusting to pace from NCAA to NHL is sometimes the size and the speed. And those are two things that I think are qualities of his I think he's an elite skater for his size and I think it's going to transition well and he's going to help to bolster Buffalo's defense in a way that they desperately need I need someone to take Owen Power to the side and tell him no matter what you do don't get in a golf cart oh my god because Owen Power gets Bro. to be the greatest what if ever of run it back if EJ never ruins his knees yeah their profiles are so similar. Please, please don't get in a golf cart. Uh, mine is my mine's Kirby Doc. He's the guy. I I I think he's gonna get out of Chicago. Um, 
I thought it was weird for them to punt on a top three pick uh, as quickly as they did. Um, again, just when you're going down the list of like, uh, maybe guys you'd want to rebuild around, like that seems like someone who um, you'd want to keep. Obviously, disappointing year from last year. Uh, I think he's going to get change of scenery. Um, I, I just, I, I've liked Kirby Doc since he got drafted. I, I think the dude's got too many tools um, to not to not eventually take at least some kind of meaningful step. Uh, and I think getting out of the, the tire fire that, that is Chicago is going to only do good things for him. Um, he was a guy that honestly I, I was interested in the abs, uh, maybe taking a run at this year um, on, on the upside. Um, had he been available, I don't, I don't know if Chicago would have had any interest in dealing a player like that within the division, but um, I, I think he's going to get, get out of town and, and, uh, I, I think you'll see him take a nice step. I'm curious where what role he finds in Montreal, right? Because Nick Suzuki has kind of become the guy there as far as down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if someone with Doc's skill set can play with Cole Caulfield a little bit, well, that right. could be a really that, fun combination. Yeah, that's my that's my thing. Uh, is uh, I think there are a couple of really interesting duos, including Doc Caulfield. Yeah, um, I think Doc Caulfield in, in Montreal is a really fun one. I think Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger in Columbus, uh, like the Blue Jackets, have been like, like kind of boring their entire existence. It was like Rick Nash is worth watching, and then a bunch of bums. Um, and now all the you know, and then like the very brief like Panarin era that was three uh, months, yeah, <clears throat> and then, but like all of a sudden like. Add Kent Johnson, add Cole Sillinger, uh, turning you know being a 19 year old in the NHL after a pretty like a pretty solid 18 year old season that he just had. Throw in Johnny Gaudreau onto that roster, and the 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 explosion of of skating and creativity and uh, just this the, the offensive flair that will exist. Um, especially from the additions of Gaudreau and, and Johnson, who are both very creative playmakers, very good with the puck. Um, but but obviously Gaudreau's pretty established at this point. Uh, but I like another year of Cole Sillinger, which was a rookie year that really flew under the radar. Big part of that being just Columbus. And uh, the other, just that he, you know, wasn't a top pick. So um, I'm... I think those two guys um, are, are going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, a guy that is, has does not have a lengthy NHL uh, track record uh, yet, but Cole Perfetti in Winnipeg. Yeah. That is a guy that I am super-duper curious where they ultimately end up playing him, what role they end up giving him. Because you remember uh, one of the things that I loved about him as a draft prospect is that I thought he profiled really well as a center or a wing. And in Winnipeg, Blake Wheeler's kind of washed at this point. Um, is, should he be? Should he be a wing? Um, Shifley kind of wants out at this point. <laughs> but with with Shifley and Dubois down the middle, could he be the three C? 
Maybe. Is he going to be defensively responsible enough for Rick Bonus's tastes? I mean, I, uh, I always thought he was like, a winger, to be honest with you. But I, I think the skating is probably the thing that was going to yeah. push him to the wall because he's not going to be a dynamic down the middle guy. Uh, but I just thought with his playmaking, with the, the way that he can drive play and the way that he can really dominate from the center of the ice, uh, if his skating gets to to a a, a little bit better of a place. Um, and I don't think it's come as far as it should have uh, in the last couple of years since his draft. But where where Perfetti fits in with the Jets, I think is going to be a pretty fascinating conversation. Okay. I like the answers. Uh, Do you want a dark horse too? Sure. Fire off. Uh, I think I think watch the Flames because they've got a they've got a kid in Peltier that absolutely shit on the AHL last year and. It will be very interesting to see if he can crack that roster, because if he does, like the strength of that team is obviously it's it's defense, it's goaltender, um, but their forward core is deep. It is it is a legit ten guy deep forward core, and if Peltier can can break into that uh, into that group and and be a be a dangerous consistent threat in their even somewhere in their bottom six. Man, it just it just makes them that much more problematic, and that's a that's a team that I. The more I look at the Flames, the more I'm like, if we stop obsessing over what they lost and start focusing on what they are, that is a really really good hockey team. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, you know, we're we're really not that far away from our season season previews in the next couple of weeks here, so I'm sure you'll hear more about that coming up. With I mean, look, really preseason stuff is one week away basically at this point so it's coming quick getting into it i'm excited for it we're gonna get out of here for today though we appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us as usual uh we will be back tomorrow uh through the rest of the week as well so be sure to tune in be sure to like and subscribe here on youtube the bar is back on friday so i i have no idea how busy it's gonna be it might be packed I think it's going to be, man. Uh, also, come hang out. We'll all be there because yep. we have to be. Everyone is going to be there for the, the Friday reopening. Yeah, you're going to want to see it. it. It's pretty dope. I, we finally had the chance to see a mostly completed renovation. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Got to so, look at the new menu. Yep. It has poutine on it, Chad. Yeah. Anyway. We're going to get out of here for the day. We appreciate it. I call it, it that. <laughs> uh, we love you all, and we will talk to you on the next one.